Imagine if you could overhear private, unfiltered conversations between the world's most influential and inspirational women. Now you can. Welcome to Leadership Global, where you'll hear from inspiring leaders who will help you define your vision, grow your leadership, expand your influence, and increase your impact to leave a lasting legacy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Lead Hership Global. We're so excited to welcome you to this week's podcast, and we have a really special guest for you today to talk about how to realize your dreams, be joyful, and abundant through your own spiritual awakening. Joining us today is Adapia Dierico, a principal and VP of strategy at Alpha Investing, a keynote speaker, and the author of Productive Intuition, connecting to the subtle, which I absolutely love. You know, today you are invited to join a growing movement of people connecting to their inner authority and walking the warrior path of awakened leadership. Imagine if you could, being able to make decisions faster and more accurately, no matter what kind of chaos is around you. Trust your gut, your heart, and your emotions when evaluating people or opportunities and actually achieving your goals and outcomes with less drama, less resistance, and with more ease and grace. Now, that sounds like a pretty fantastic future to me. So listen in today as Adapia Dierico, Principal and VP of Strategy at Alpha Investing, helps us learn how to realize our dreams, be joyful and abundant, through our own spiritual awakening. You know, we are all meant to embrace our gifts, our connections, and our intuition, and we are all meant to achieve our dreams, be joyful, and be abundant. We are meant to embrace 100% of who we are and put that into service of our aspirations for the good of all. We are meant to be awakened leaders. So today, you'll learn how to feel anchored to your inner compass. You'll learn about internal validation and self-respect at all times and effortlessly getting into your highest state of flow, creativity, and productivity, and find that consistent alignment with your deep driving desires and heartfelt aspirations. Well, I tell you, if you are not inspired right now, I don't know what to tell you. That is absolutely, I think, the dream of everyone I know. So let me tell you a little bit about Adapia. Our guest is just truly extraordinary. Adapia Dierico has co-founded businesses. She's launched brands and redefined industries. She's a respected fintech entrepreneur and real estate investment executive known for her role in launching estate crowdfunding industry into the mainstream. Today, Adapia is the principal and VP strategy of Alpha Investing, a real estate private equity firm that offers multifamily, senior housing, and affordable housing investments nationwide with a portfolio of over $1.5 billion in property value. Adapia is the author of Productive Intuition, Connecting to the Subtle, and a powerful keynote speaker 
her goal cast video about trusting yourself and making the hard decisions has been viewed, get this, over 40 million times and shared over 250,000 times. So we are so lucky to have Adapia with us and she is absolutely passionate about helping others connect to their inner authority. Adapia, thank you so much for being with us today. Hi, Linda. Thank you so much for that amazing introduction. I'm I'm just beyond thrilled to be here with Leadership Global um, and just this amazing, amazing community that you've cultivated. Thank you. Thank you so much. I got to tell you, it's a thrill to have you on the podcast today. And I am just anxious to jump right in. So tell us a little bit about your journey. What's led you to have such passion around helping others connect to their own inner authority and create their own spiritual awakening? Yeah, I mean, I think the best way to say it is I can recall two very distinct times in my life where I was awakened. The first was in 2011, and that was what really led me to give that goal cast talk about trusting yourselves. I was in a nine-year marriage. I got married when I was 23, um, and I was trapped, but I didn't know it. I couldn't tell anyone. And I stayed and I stayed and I stayed until finally I just, just, I was just, boom, I was just woken up. And I realized that the whole time I was receiving messages from myself and I just simply wasn't listening. My mind would rationalize them away. I mean, my body was suffering. My emotions were suffering and I just wasn't listening. So that was the first one. And so at age 32, at that point, I had to find myself. And that started me on a slow roll kind of spiritual journey, really started with yoga, with some of the more traditional things that that you would imagine. Yet what stayed very real for me, at least, was my ambition. I mean, I started working in a bank when I was 18. Like I knew and I know still today that our financial empowerment, especially as women, is paramount. And financial independence is a huge value for me. But in general, I wanted to succeed. You know, I I was going to succeed. So at the age of 38, I was at the pinnacle of my career. It was like, you know, this 20-year gap. I was the COO of a fintech firm. We had just raised a Series A from very notable Wall Street investors, but I was just suffering again. And to be honest, I knew going into that role because by then I was kind of recognizing intuitive signals a little bit more. Like I knew that this was not going to be a good idea. (laughs) Um, And even though I accomplished what I was there to accomplish, which was the raise, which was the rebrand, which was so many things. And I love the company and they're just thriving right now, but it was not right for me. And I, I left that company and here's the irony. I left with these great intentions. I was going to become a coach. I was going to blog. This was in 2017, right when me too started. And I thought I'm this powerful, considered very powerful. I'm an independent woman. I'm an executive. I'm successful. I need to do something more. What was really happening was that was my second awakening, which was essentially nothing I tried worked. Nothing at all. And it was just not normal for me to not be able to execute on anything. I mean, I was a marketing executive. I was like CMO. I'd been like, that was my jam. Like I love to write. Like there's no reason I shouldn't be able 
to have an online business. And yet it just wasn't meant to be. And it took a few months, but what was really going on was my whole identity, my whole identity, this career, I could like the ego was like your career, you're successful. It, it just vanished and it, and it just unraveled because nothing was working. So like, you know, we, we think of ourselves as successful and it has to look a certain way. And, um, and it wasn't, and I, I didn't know who I was anymore. I didn't know what to do. And I went through what's very much called the dark night of the soul from a very technical perspective. And at the very bottom of that place, it was when I had the realization, when I was shaking my fist at the universe, you know, I was saying like, I just, this is not possible. This is not okay. And I uttered words that I never expected to say because they kind of come out in those moments. And I said, all I want are business partners that, that want me not to be a silver bullet, not to repeat old things, but that want me to be me authentically who I am. I don't want to be a solopreneur, make it stop because I, in my head, hadn't realized that I had made a decision at some point and when all of this was happening, that I could never go back to business. And I don't know why I made that decision in my head, but a lot of it had to do with, you know, this unraveling led me to shame my career decision. I thought something was wrong because as I was learning things about maybe like spiritual, that world, I thought, oh my God, but I was over here on the money side. And so I shamed it and I thought I can never go back to business. And I certainly thought if I can't be effective, how could I ever go back to business? Who would ever hire me? So just this whole melange of things in my head, stories I was telling myself. And three days after I had that angry moment with the universe, I got a call and this call was from a group that I was informally advising, um, which wonderful people. I really appreciated their whole approach to real estate investing. And long story short, um, they said they wanted me to be their partner. And that's where I am. And that's where I've been for three years. And it's like those moments where you think that can't be possible, but it was three days later, I got this call a week later, they, they, they flew down to meet me. And, um, cause I hadn't really met them in person yet but I had already made an impact on their business as an advisor. And then all of a sudden there I was a few months later. Um, and that was the second moment, but that moment, I mean, the first one too, it's a year's worth of personal work, but the second one was really important because it just so tore out my sense of self and that sense of self I've been rebuilding, which really led me to write the book and why I'm so passionate about it is because in all of that digging and excavating and unraveling and putting back together, I found some principles that helped me put me back together in a new, more empowered um, way. I'm not operating on these old paradigms, you know, not most of the time they'll still pop up of course, but and I was really, I really thought I need to share this. And, and that's really what led me to write the book. Yeah. Wow. How powerful. And I have to say that your second awakening really feels as though you almost manifested what you needed. You said out loud, really what you needed. And in very short order, it came to pass. And that was nothing you could control. That was nothing you could have orchestrated. That's really remarkable. 
And you mentioned your book. So let's talk about that for a second. Adapia, in your book, you actually talk about how it took you years of seeking and exploring and deep internal digging to integrate the spiritual with the material, which is sort of what you're referencing right now. So rather than completely sort of abdicate your life, you learned that you could stay in your life. You could still be in business in the financial realm and yet still understand the spiritual dynamics that happen around us. And you learn that with the right information, support, practices, that we can all integrate the spiritual with the material. So I have to ask, how did you do that? How did you integrate this spiritual awakening and maintain your life and your career? Yeah, it, I mean, it was wild. It was a journey because I certainly at first didn't think that I could. I thought, oh no, here we go again. I'm going to lose everything. Because the first time around with my first one, like I'd left that marriage. Um, I, I was living in Italy at the time. Like I moved to North America. Like I left everything was, everything was gone. I went home to my family though. They've always been there for me. And this time, so I, um, I remarried and I'm married to the person I consider to be the love of my life. And, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stigma around awakening and spirituality. Like there's a lot of, um, just kind of like false narratives around that too. And, and like, one of them is you're going to lose absolutely everything. And, and so I was like, oh my, I can't. I don't want to lose everything. I have this husband I love so much, but it felt like I was losing him because I couldn't communicate to him what was happening. And so there was this rift and then we had a house under construction and because nothing was working, I wasn't making any money. And so suddenly I was like, I can't do this. Like I'm not making money. I'm going to lose everything. And, and I, I did go very far more in depth on the spiritual side. Um, like I, I took it beyond a yoga practice and, um, and I really went into some of the principles because I, at that point, like I had, you know, I had helped launch real estate crowdfunding as an industry. I was this well-known female executive. Like there, there was people and I thought, I can't talk to anybody about, I feel like I'm losing my mind. I feel like I'm losing myself. And yet I feel more myself than I've ever felt. But I didn't think I could talk to anybody about it. Be, be, because like, I, I'm not going to go, I'm not going to go there with my colleagues, with people in the industry, like how embarrassing, you know, like all of that kind of narrative came through. Um, and so I went on this like solo kind of journey. Um, although I did learn very quickly that I simply needed to communicate with my husband, Andrew. And I said, listen, and so I did, and that helped tremendously because I could say, I don't know how to language this. I don't know what's happening to me. I just know that I'm feeling all these things and certain things are happening and I feel like myself, but I'm losing myself. I feel like a mad person, but that's what's happening. So just bear with me. And he did. And he's been so incredibly supportive and there's so many lessons around that. Um, but importantly, so I had him supporting, um, really established that connection. And then I went I just went on a like spiritual seeking. And, and as I was seeking spiritually though, I never lost sight of values that were really important to me, which were like, despite what I saw in the spiritual world, um, which it's logical and seemed to be, you know, either becoming a monk or like a nun or something. I was like, I just don't, the, the end point or like a spiritual leader and all. And I just like, that's not, 
that's not what I want. Um, and so I was very discerning over here in the spiritual journey and realizing at the same time that all I was really doing was getting in touch with my, with my values, with getting in touch with myself, getting in touch with all the times that my intuition had been speaking really loudly to me, all the times that I was guided by some higher force, like all these things and a lot of personal work. Like my work is rooted in self-reflection and in contemplation and in moving my body. Um, so those are some practices we can talk about later. And, um, and just in, in like trying to also intellectually understand things and then apply them in my life so that it's applied, not just, I intellectually understand a concept, but I actually can embody that concept and act on it. And therefore it becomes part of who I am. So as I'm doing all this, I was, I just never, there was always this little thing in my mind or in my ear, just kind of like pulling me back in around business. And, and so that moment, right. When I, when I said it and I brought in these business partners, it was like, well, we need to go build this company up, which is what we've been doing in the past three years have been phenomenal growth. And, um, and I love it. And as soon as I knew I was going back into that role, like I lit up, right. I lit up. Cause honestly, at first I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. I don't really know how it's going to go, but I certainly felt an energetic shift. Like I felt almost like a relief, but also just like, okay, this feels right. And that's when I started to understand the spiritual principles with my life around if something feels right, feels aligned, then that's a yes. And, and, and then, and then as I was like kind of getting back into this world with business, I was realizing like a ton of people, they're wonderful. Why was I shaming myself for business and money and wealth and investing? And so I had to examine a lot of, uh, I call them negative narratives that we have, right? Unconscious stories that we're constantly telling ourselves. And I developed a process called compassionate re-experiencing, which is like going back into those stories and seeing it from a totally different angle, not in the first person, but almost in the third person of, well, here's who I was at the time. And you kind of see yourself with a whole new perspective and you see, well, I didn't have bad intentions and my motivations weren't wrong. And I wasn't like, I wasn't greedy. I was always like, just trying to be independent, like whatever the narratives were, right. It was just like, hold on a second. It's simply who I am. And so that level of self-acceptance started to create such a sense of strength in me uh, from like a, like I'm always pointing to my heart because this is really where it lives that I, I can be and do, I can do anything that I want, but what's really important is understanding who I am. And that's when I started this work of connecting to what I call inner authority. Yeah. And I want to talk about that in just a moment too, but you know, you talk about how we are meant to embrace our gifts and our connections and our intuition. And we're actually meant to achieve our dreams, to be joyful, to be abundant, to be those things that, you know, I think we all aspire to be. We're meant to embrace 100% of who we are and put that in service to our aspirations, which is what you were balancing, 100% of who you are, the spiritual as well as the material. And all of that is intended for the good of all. So, is that what you mean by awakened leadership? I, I want to dive into the concept of awakened leadership. And then I want to tap into yeah. this whole idea of inner authority. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought up the awakened leadership because that, that kind of came 
to me a little more recently because I realized like, as I'm out there meeting all these people, there's a like an awakened doesn't have to mean like your Eckhart Tolle or Byron Katie or the Dalai Lama, right? Like awakened just means you've at, you understand that there's more to the world than what the rules of society or culture or media or the system, if you want to call it that, have told us we need to like do, say, and be. So to me, someone who's awakened in a leadership position has a very clear understanding that they're leading by leading themselves and that they need to be super aware of who they are, everything about them, because my belief is that you can only lead others as far as you can lead yourself. And that self-awareness is a cornerstone of leadership. So these new leaders, they're out there. I mean, like it's been this building movement where leadership isn't hierarchical per se. It's more horizontal. It's more, I'm not going to tell you what to do, but I may inspire you to come along. My job as a leader is to be myself, to which includes being humble, which includes saying, I don't know, which includes saying like, I want... I want to lift others up. That's a true leader, not the, not the leader that has that, like it is, it's a very old, it's very archaic. It's very top down into a sense of how can I build a community? And when we start to get really in touch with our true selves and that, and that joy and that abundance comes out so strongly because there's a fundamental principle I've understood, which is when we focus on ourselves and, and, and let, let that little voice that says that's selfish, just let it go because it's not selfish. We have to love ourselves first and foremost. Like we have to give ourselves what we might expect somebody else to give us. We're the only ones who can, and we're the only authority in our own lives. When we get there in ourselves, we, we realize there's this like reservoir. It's, it's like the well that never runs dry. And it bubbles up and you just want to give to others. And that's that awakened leadership and it becomes servant leadership. It's very natural. You almost don't even realize how you ever thought there was scarcity of anything. It's like everything is an opportunity. Everything is available. Let me help you see because I'm free and I want you to be free because you are another me. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I got to tell you, that is very much what Leadership Global is based on, is this idea of women coming together in partnership to lift each other up, to support each other, to be able to serve as mentors and advisors and guides and friends and supporters and cheerleaders of each other. And I have seen transformation happen literally on a daily, weekly basis with the women that are part of leadership because there is so much sense of giving and supporting. And there's this private supportive community of women coming together with the sole purpose of supporting each other and caring for each other. And it's an absolutely incredible dynamic when you see people create almost an ecosystem of giving to each other. It's just remarkable. Yeah. So I, now I want to dive into a little bit more about manifesting outcomes. And you noted that in your book, which I think is fascinating, that you are actually manifesting outcomes that you never thought were possible. And I noted that I feel like your second awakening, you manifested an outcome that you could not have orchestrated alone. And you're able to navigate challenges with much more grace, much more ease than you were before. So can you give us just a few 
inspirational examples of how that's taking place for you, other than your second spiritual awakening, which was clearly manifesting a phenomenal outcome. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that one's one like very sort of magical, it seems like magic, but it, if you understand it at the quantum level, it's not magic. Um, or even at the neuroscientific level, it's so interesting. Um, I do have a lot of science in the book cause I just think it's, it's really interesting. Um, but it still feels good to think that there's a magical, um, aspect to it. So, um, we'll look like one, um, well, two, uh, that are, that are kind of recent. So in, um, the outcomes are recent. So in 2013, uh, I was defrauded, um, for a quarter of a million dollars. Yeah. It was my life savings. Yep. Wow. Yeah. It was brutal. Um, it was really like, talk about the ego, talk about shame, talk about just so much, so much went wrong there. Um, and, um, for, you know, for reasons beyond my control, um, he was caught by the feds because he had also embezzled money from a state charter school in California. So, yeah, so it, it was like a big, it was a big deal. Um, and so, my money was in the same bank account as the state charter school's money. So when he was caught by the feds, um, he was criminally tried. And I was also a victim because my money was in the same bank account. So I automatically kind of was part of it. This, this man knew how to work the system to such a degree that the, that it just kept going forward for years and years and years. Like it was just never ending. It just, we never went to trial, like nothing ever happened. And at some point, like it was like late, it was the fall of 2019. And I finally let it go. I just, I just finally was like, you know what? I'm over it. I just, I don't even want it in my field, in my thoughts. I'm done. Then I get a call around December 18th of 2019 and it's the DA and he's like, Hey, we're actually going to trial. And I was like, you have to be kidding me. I just let this thing go. I'm so over it. I don't even want to go there. <laughs> right. But I had to, and who like so much emotion came up because I had to face what I didn't want to face for all those years, which was the story I was telling myself about how stupid I was how ashamed of myself I was for getting it wrong. Like all these things that I got wrong, plus a level of fear that I would get implicated somehow that I would some, because that, that I would get implicated. I was like, Oh my God, what if I go to jail? What if, you know, what if I get deported? I'm Canadian. Like it's like my mind just went into like all this like crazy talk. And, um, and so here we are at the beginning of 2020 and I get, you know, I'm on the, I'm on with the DA, like probably weekly at this point. Cause they're like, you have to go through all the records. Clearly, you know, we know memory is deteriorates and that's why they take witness statements like right away when it happens. And, and, um, and so I was like, God, I don't want to get on the stand. And I, and I sat in my kitchen and I will always remember it because there was a very distinct feeling energetically. And I said, you know, cause he stood to go to prison for like 20 or 30 years and he has two kids. Cause I met them. And I remember saying just to the universe. And I said, all I want is for him to do the right thing. I want him to, to do the right thing. Just give me my money back, do the right thing. I don't want these kids to lose their father. Like we know the prison system, like it's not just like, I let it go in a different way. 
Well, he took the plea deal, which is something nobody ever does. So he agreed to plead guilty. He agreed to restitution. And in, 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 okay. So then he was supposed to go to the sentencing to do, so he agreed. And then he was going to go to his sentencing trial in like March. He's supposed to show up with half a million of the million in total because he took 750 from them and 250 from me. And, um, and then COVID happened. <laughs> so he never went to the sentencing in March of last year. So at this point, it started to just become this grand cosmic joke around like it would just kept, it just was going and going. I'm like, you know what? I already let it go. I already let it go. The fact that he even accepted a plea deal is like a huge thing. Um, then finally in September, uh, <laughs> he went to court, but I'm telling you, like he played every trick in the book, like even up until the day before I was meant to, to basically get my first piece of like the first check back, I got a call from the assistant DA and he's like, look, we have an issue. And I laughed so hard. And I said, I'm sure there is. Why don't you call me? And I will get in my car when you call me and I will make the two hour drive down to the thing. So I get the first piece of my money back. I wasn't supposed to get it all back. Long story short, something happened. I got all of my money back in January of this year. All of it. Oh with my a little gosh, bit of interest. That is awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And nobody gets their money back in these cases. Nobody. And, and that's a different kind of example. I had to change myself from the inside to become the person who could receive it back. And that to me is one example of when we do this inner work of facing the shame, you know, just facing whatever's in there that it's like emotional, like you feel it up and down your body, um, of facing it and seeing yourself, forgiving yourself, loving yourself, letting it all go, because it's not that big of a deal. I mean, you know, in my mind, I was like, I've already made that money back. So that, that's, that's an example of, of, um, of how I've been able to manifest outcomes that are just unreal. Um, (laughs) that is a great example. Holy cow. I am a believer. Um, and you've noted that, um, you are connected to what you call the inner authority. So let's dive into that you seem to be really passionate about helping people connect to this idea of an inner authority. So can you maybe describe that or define that a little bit and then give us perhaps a step-by-step guide of how to begin the journey of getting connected to that inner authority? Yeah. So inner authority. So if we start with the premise that for the most part, because of just how humans are, how society is, we're, um, you know, we're, we're hardwired towards external validation. It's, it's just how we are, nothing wrong with it. It's, it's normal. Um, but there comes a point in our lives when we have to examine that. We have to examine, are those beliefs mine? Where did that come from? Why am I acting like this? Why am I acting like my parents? Why am I like, you know, like, like, ser- like stuff like that, where you're just like, I get to choose um, and I need to examine why it's so important that I'm accepted by such and such a person, right? Like, why am I, you know, and I, and I know on video, I'm like looking out there because it's always about like, who is out there that I need to 
look a certain way for, I always say that ego is creating acceptable identities. Like I'm one person for my father. I'm one person for my husband. I'm one person for my business partners. Like that's what the ego likes to do. And we get caught up and we give away our power by thinking that the external validation is going to give us what we're really seeking, which is internal validation, which is my values. Um, what is meaningful to me, um, my desires and aligning to those. So from the, from, from the perspective of inner authority, there is a part of us, there's multiple parts to us, but there's this one part that is the inner authority that always knows what's right for me. I always do, whether I listen to it or not is, is the question, right? But there's always inside of us, you can call it our, our heart. There's you know, you can call it soul. Like there's different ways that people might want to go there from the perspective of getting back our power by claiming that power, living in our power. I like to call it inner authority and it knows we always know. Um, and so in order to start that journey in that process, I'm sure that everyone, Linda, you, and like anyone who's listening has had multiple experiences in their lives where something's happened and you, and you're just like, I knew it. I knew that was going to happen. Um, and it's both for the good and for the not so good, right? Like the times where you're like, I listen and I followed my heart or I followed my like intuition or my gut and that worked out. And then all the times when we're like, I knew it, I knew that wasn't going to go well, but I did it anyway. Cause I was following my ego and I was following my mind or I was following what somebody else wanted for me. Right. It's always there. Um, and that we always know hundred percent of the time, we just haven't learned how to listen. And so the first step to listening is stillness, right? It's, it's really, um, it's in the realm of, of meditation and mindfulness of, of finding a level of stillness, um, within our thoughts. It doesn't have to be physical stillness, but taking a pause that, that pause, um, between like stimulus and response, I believe, as they say in psychology and, and just trying to tune in to like, what's my body saying? Because the intuitive system lives, the body is an intuitive receptor, lives in the body. Like biologically, we're hardwired for intuition and we need to trust our bodies. And as women, especially we've been so coerced into hating ourselves, into hating our bodies that we've we don't listen because we're always judging it. We're all, you know, like we're, we're, I've definitely had plenty of times in my life where I was downright evil to my body. Um, so it's been like a long process of, of like getting back in touch with it, but it's in the body. Like we can feel it can like tingle. You can, you like, that's your energy body when you get like certain kinds of tingles. And like, when you're around somebody that you're like, "Mm -mm, that doesn't feel right. That person, -uh." um, that's your intuition. Like if you just stay in the pure sensation of it, not the story of it, that's your intuition right away. And then you can go explore it and, um, you know, like do research on it or whatever you need to do to like help you understand it. That first impulse, that's it. And that's also your, your inner authority. And then a more, um, if you will, like kind of workshop way or like journaling kind of way, um, is there's three things. So it's, it's your personal meaning. So what's meaningful to you? When I went through my second awakening, what I didn't understand was that I actually wasn't clear 
on what was meaningful to me. And I wasn't clear on my values or my desires. So it's those three things, personal meaning, values, and desires. And really being honest with that, with myself, um, which is sometimes really hard to do because we're so conditioned to, well, what if somebody judges me for that? And so it's really important to get underneath it. And so those are the three ways to really begin. And when you lock in on those, you'll feel just a sense of almost like relief flooding you because you've acknowledged it, you've named it. And by naming it, you bring it into your conscious awareness and it really just helps to work towards a sense of wholeness. That's what we're after. We're just trying to be more whole and complete because so much of society is about being fragmented. It's about being this for this person, being this over here for women, like historically, like don't be loud. Um, Don't be demanding, you know, like amongst myriad things. And like an important one for me was saying like financial stability, like money is a value of mine, not money for money's sake, but I had to. And and for me, that was life-changing because by admitting it, then all of a sudden it's like my memory just flooded forward with all of the reasons why I even went into financial planning to begin with, which, which was independence, which was I found it really interesting. I love deals. I love like, I love investing. Like now I invest in women with venture capital. I invest in real estate. I invest in like, I think it's fun. Um, and, and so I just had to admit to it, which seems absurd, but it's really that simple. And then we're like, oh, there's your self-love. There's your acceptance. There's your fire. There's your power. There's your passion. And then you're unstoppable. I love that. And it's really about embracing all of who you are and being accepting of that, being really accepting of who you are, what your value system is, embracing that, and then ensuring that your life is in alignment with it. That's what I'm hearing from you. And I just think there's so much power in that. Now I'm going to switch gears for just a moment because this is Leadership Global. So I'm interested in hearing from you, Arapia, What is the best leadership advice that you've ever received as a professional or as someone who has been sort of on this journey of spiritual awakening for several years? What is some of the leadership advice that you've really taken under consideration and you found to be really transformational? Oh, such a good question. It's a big question. And I can't pinpoint specific people um, because I've been thinking about this a lot. I've been thinking like, did I ever get very specific advice? Although I can say when I first started working in a bank, um, my my bank manager, um, Pamela, she was really hard on me, but she really taught me the value of doing a really good job. And, and she like, she ran a tight ship. And she taught me work ethic, which I think precludes everything, right? Even in in leadership. And I saw her as a leader because she wasn't afraid to to be a strong woman. I mean, I think I learned from role modeling from women. There's been plenty of really strong women in my life. And um, I really admired them for being themselves. And they didn't care if somebody thought that they were loud or demanding or too aggressive or whatever people like to say these days. And so that was a really important one that shaped me in my life and in my careers is work ethic. And honestly, my mom's the same with, with work ethic. 
And then I think to, to round it out, to start from there and to come around with all of the spiritual understanding and the experiences that I've had and the people, what I've found most impactful for me from a leadership position is actually almost an inversion of leadership. It's not about me. The best leaders don't make it about them. They make it about others. They they don't necessarily want the spotlight. They don't, they, they don't care. They're, they're like, I'm here to serve you. And, and I'm just seeing it pop up so much more, especially since COVID. I think COVID was, you know, despite the, the really like sad things that have happened, like not ever to minimize it. But if we flip a script and look at also what happened in COVID so much humanization and normalization of being a freaking human being. And, and, and like, cause we weren't, we weren't allowed to be human, right. Leaders had to look a certain way and act a certain way. And, 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 and it's like, no leadership is like, I am getting out of bed. I am feeding my kids. I am getting on this zoom call. I didn't do my makeup, but I'm showing up the best way that I can. And there's no better way to role model leadership than simply to just keep showing up every day without pretense and, and here to serve. And that to me is true, is true leadership. And you know, what you're doing with leadership global is we're building a community and that community is lifting everyone, everyone lifts and true leadership understands that there is actually no such thing as scarcity. There's only abundance and we can share that abundance with others And on a quantum level, there isn't scarcity either. And on a quantum level, when we share our abundance, whether it's financial wealth or, you know, um, a mental state of mind or stories or just our hearts is, is we realize we're so much the same. Um, And, and that compassion uh, breeds even more communication and even more collaboration. And then all of a sudden, you know, here we are and everything is amazing and everything's up for grabs and like nobody can stop us. Ah, what a wonderful way to end the conversation with that kind of uplifting, encouraging, inspirational vision. I love that. I will tell our listeners right now that if you have not picked up your copy of Productive Intuition, Connecting to the Subtle, please do. I think you're going to find it absolutely transformational. And Adapia, I can't thank you enough for your time, for your inspiration, for your wisdom. Thank you for sharing your experiences. Thank you for sharing your expertise. And thank you for making such a big impact, not just on the listeners today, but in your community, in your industry, in your networks, and certainly in Leadership Global. So thank you. Thank you so much, Linda. It's been an absolute honor and a pleasure to to contribute um, to this um, just amazing community. Thank you for joining Leadership Global, a podcast for and about unstoppable women stepping into courage, claiming their power and embracing bold leadership. Join us each week as we talk to a collection of inspirational women changing the world and tackling the most pressing issues we're facing today as women and as leaders. See you next week.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.